Good morning. I'm Angela Davis, and you're listening to NPR News. So glad you could join us today. It is August 1st, a date that stands out for a few reasons. It's the beginning of a new month and the beginning of a new era in Minnesota. Today is the day when it is officially legal for adults to possess and use certain amounts of recreational marijuana in our state. Maybe it's a day you've been looking forward to, or maybe it's one that you've dreaded. Or maybe you're just confused by what is legal now, what's not, and what's next. People age 21 and older can now possess, use, and grow cannabis under certain conditions without breaking Minnesota law. This is the first step under the Cannabis Legalization Bill that the state legislature approved and Governor Wall signed into law in May. But buying pot legally from a retail store in Minnesota is more complicated and won't happen until after the state sets up its licensing system. Legal sales are expected to begin in early 2025, with a few exceptions. The new law will also expunge or erase many past marijuana convictions. That process is expected to take a year or more. But right now, I want to talk about what's happening today. My guests today include a state legislator who spearheaded marijuana legislation in Minnesota and a Minnesota mayor who is moving to restrict its use. As I talk with them this hour, I want to hear from you. What questions do you have about how and where cannabis can be used and grown under Minnesota's new law? Or what questions do you have about how the legal sale of marijuana is going to be managed by the state? The phone lines are open. Call us at 651 651- Two two seven six thousand. Again, the number is six five one two two seven six thousand. You can also call eight hundred two four two twenty eight twenty eight. Let's bring in our guest, State Representative Zach Stevenson, is here in the studio with me. He is a DFL representative from Coon Rapids and chief author of the bill legalizing cannabis in the Minnesota House. He's also a Hennepin County prosecutor. Good morning to you, Representative Stevenson. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Also, we have Luke Hellyer here. Luke Hellyer is the mayor of Lakeville, a city of about 70,000 people on the southern edge of the Twin Cities. Lakeville is one of the first cities in Minnesota looking to ban smoking or vaping of marijuana on public sidewalks and city parks. Mayor Hellyer, thank you for coming in. Nice to meet both of you. Good morning. So as I said in the introduction, a day many people have looked forward to, also a day many people have dreaded. Uh, Representative Stevenson, why was it so important for you to support this law and to work to get it passed? Well, I'd say two main reasons. Number one, it's what I was hearing from my constituents. You know, when I was in the last election out talking to people, what I heard is that uh, people wanted cannabis to be legal in Minnesota, that they thought that they deserved the freedom and respect to make their own decisions uh, about cannabis. The second reason is drawn from my own experience as a prosecutor and understanding that our current laws on cannabis are doing more harm than good, Uh, that we are wasting resources on enforcing cannabis laws uh, that could be put to better use, uh, tackling more serious uh, crime, Uh, that people are losing the ability to have jobs and housing because of cannabis uh, convictions, and that our enforcement of our cannabis laws are fundamentally unfair. So Minnesotans, white and black Minnesotans, use cannabis at about the same rate. Uh, Currently, Black Minnesotans are about six times more likely to be arrested uh, for use of cannabis. Uh, So we needed to make a change. It's not to say that there aren't negative effects of cannabis use, but there are other ways to manage that than prohibition. And I think our new law will better manage those downstream effects. Mayor Hellier, in general, how do you describe what people in Lakeville have been telling you about how they're feeling about this change in law? 
Yeah, I'd say it's mixed. You know, we last year when we had the uh, the new law related to hemp derived products, we took a different approach than other cities where we said we're going to put a licensing framework up. And so we have the ability to do compliance checks on businesses. And so we've had some pretty good success. You know, these are businesses who are members of the Chamber of Commerce, the people are in the Rotary. And so on the one hand, we have, you know, really good systems set up for business community. But I think there's some people that were also nervous about what the impact of smoking and vaping would have in public areas. Mm. So from your point of view, you want to recognize that people have concerns, but also maybe what can you put in place that would provide structure? Right, exactly. Our, our goal is to not put a situation where responsible business owners are put in a tough position to sell a legal product, but at the same time recognize that people have some apprehension about the public consumption of that product. So, Representative Stevenson, um, can you walk us through some of this? I know people have been reading, I hope people have been reading, listening to the radio, all the reports we've been doing about uh, this August 1st date and what be- what goes into effect today. So let's start with uh, the new law around possession. How much cannabis can people have on them and, and where? Yep. So starting today, people can have up to two ounces of cannabis on their person, sort of wherever they are, and up to two pounds uh, at home. Uh, They can also grow uh, at home starting today up to eight plants, four of which can be mature at any time. And what about using marijuana? Where can people use marijuana now? So that's going to depend a little bit on where you are in the state. But across the board, what we did at the legislature is kind of set a floor and a ceiling. So everywhere in the state, people have the ability to smoke cannabis in their own home right? Uh, To use it uh, on private property uh, or at cannabis events that are licensed and put on by cities. Um, Nowhere in the state is it legal to use cannabis in a car. For example, you can never use cannabis in a car. We have a similar law to alcohol where you have an open container law. Uh, It's also never legal to use cannabis in a school or anywhere where kids might uh, inhale uh, the smoke. A daycare. Uh, A daycare. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Anywhere where kids could consume it, could inhale the smoke, you can't smoke cannabis. It's also illegal to smoke cannabis anywhere where the Clean Indoor Air Act is in force. So any place indoors where you can't smoke tobacco, you can't smoke cannabis under the new law. Now, there's a lot of space in between those two, floor and and ceiling. I always say Minnesota is a big place. The legislature wasn't going to figure out for every square inch uh, where you could uh, smoke it. So we're letting cities and counties make decisions about spaces that they control, public parks, city sidewalks, things like that. And we are seeing cities around the state adopt rules around that, which is what we expected. Because one of the challenges with uh, marijuana is the smell. Like, you know, smoke travels, right? And so you do end up getting into other spaces. What are your thoughts about about that? Yeah, I am totally comfortable with cities that are choosing uh, to restrict it in places, are being sensitive to that concern about parks and sidewalks. But different cities might make different choices. So one thing we did in the bill, for example, was we said that there can't be any smoking or vaporizing of cannabis in multifamily buildings, in apartment apartment buildings. It's it's a flat ban on that. And it's uh, basically the concern uh, about secondhand smoke, that you don't want to be having to smell your your neighbors or exposed to your neighbor's smoke. If you had a community with a very high amount of apartment buildings and condos, cities might want to make some accommodations on in, in certain parks or on sidewalks to allow people to consume it uh, there. Because if you don't 
provide somebody with any place to smoke, we know what's going to happen mm -hmm. then. People are just going to break the rules. Okay, we'll get uh, to what the law says about growing cannabis uh, at home in a minute. But first, uh, I want to talk to you more, Mayor Hellyer, about what's happening in Lakeville. Uh, you described how some people are reacting in your community. You're seeing, you know, both support and, and apprehension. Um, so what is the city of Lakeville doing? You're, you're moving to ban public use in some way. So tell us about that. Right. So the council met um, in June and had kind of a work session with our attorney to talk about what this, the entire legislation means for cities moving forward. Through that, we kind of learned some other things that we were a little caught off guard on, the public consumption. So we had another work session last week, uh, and the council decided that we really want to do a couple things. One is to move forward in not allowing um, smoking and vaping in parks and on sidewalks, you know, public area. And in, in fact, Lakeville also didn't have a ban on tobacco in our parks. So we're actually doing both. So now no smoking of any kind will be in parks once we vote next um, Monday night on the 7th. So that's kind of the, the path that we decided to go on. And it really comes from the fact that we had business owners concerned about what public consumption around their business would mean. For instance, our downtown over the last 10 years has seen a total change um, from the, you know, the stereotypical dying rural town that lost the grocery store, lost other things. We have a very booming restaurant uh, business now. There's five or six that are in downtown. They all have patios. Yeah. And they're all concerned about what the impact for families would be you know, people were smoking even in the parking lot outside of their patio. When I walked in the studio this morning, I was telling uh, the two of your story of a trip to San Francisco I made years ago. And my friend was taking me to different tourist destinations. And we went out to get a view of the water. And I was hit <laughs> by the smell of marijuana. And there, you know, I could see families. I saw all kinds of people. And then it, it just, it took a moment. Like, this is... um you know, I just it, it it's it's sort of disorienting, sure. right? Because you have people in a shared space, but um, you know, having different experiences, right? right? And so, how do you explain your concern or the people of Lakeville the concern about you know parks and and sidewalks where people may be smoking? Right, and that, and that was again the thing is we didn't want to have a situation where if families were wanting to go out to eat for dinner and were turned away because of you know the the response to marijuana smoke and the smell. And in addition, we have businesses that are concerned. You know, alcohol is highly regulated. Um, bars and restaurants are held liable for that. And we had business owners concerned to say, okay, someone can drink beer in my restaurant, walk outside, smoke a joint, and then come back in. And so they're mixing alcohol with marijuana, and then we're kind of liable for their actions. And so our, we wanted to have an ability to say, no, you can't actually smoke a joint in our mm -hmm. parking lot at the same time. Some of this, uh, you know, Representative Stephen said, it's about you know, personal responsibility. You can't legislate that. That's right. You know, ultimately people, and that's what Minnesotans were saying is they wanted their own freedom and responsibility. But at the same time, the state needs to put up some guardrails and cities do uh, as well. And that's why we did things like make sure it's always illegal uh, to smoke or vaporize cannabis if kids can uh, inhale the smoke. So that whether it's the situation you describe in San Francisco or a park with playground equipment, the state's law makes clear that you can't consume cannabis around kids. It's clear. Um of, you know, that that this still is confusing to a lot of people. Um, and, and so much so that the League of Minnesota Cities put out a guide because they were getting a lot of questions. And so, Representative Stevenson, how do you think uh, people are going to, you know, learn about how their city ordinance, you know, what's allowed and what isn't allowed? What will this learning process look like? Yeah. Well, change is always a, a struggle, right? And this is a big change for a lot of Minnesotans and our everyone's 
uh, lifetime. Uh, we haven't lived in a state where uh, cannabis has been legal. And so there is going to be a period of adjustment. Uh, but we handle those adjustments and we've handled those adjustments uh, as we've changed the rules, for example, on tobacco, uh, mm-hmm. where, you know, when I grow up, there was smoking restaurants uh, or smoking sections in uh, restaurants and you could smoke in bars and other places. And we saw that change mm-hmm. uh, happen. We have mm-hmm. saw a lot of change around uh, uh, liquor uh, laws in, in my uh, adult life time, and those continue uh, mm-hmm. to change uh, over time. So change is a constant, and we'll just adjust, and I'm sure that uh, people will will feel comfortable with it in good time. All right, let's bring some of our listeners into the conversation. It is August 1st, the first day that the use and possession of recreational marijuana is legal in Minnesota for adults. You can now start growing it too. What questions do you have about how and where cannabis can be used and grown under the new law, or about how the legal sale of marijuana is going to be managed by the state. You can call us at 651-227-6000 or 800-242-2828. I'm talking uh, in the studio with the mayor of Lakeville, Luke Hellyer, as well as State Representative Zach Stevenson from Coon Rapids. Uh, Let's take a phone call. In Red Wing, we have Alexander and Candy on the phone. Good morning. And what do you want to share or ask? Well, I, I'm a substitute teacher. Candy has been an emergency room nurse. Mm-hmm. And we just wrote down a few problems even before you guys started talking. Family problems, school problems, health problems, Native American problems. We've got them down here in Red Wing. we got fentanyl in the schools. We've got substance abuse issues, labor problems, judiciary problems. And you, you make it sound like, uh, your guests make it sound like it's okay to get stoned and get in your car and drive around. Be a school bus driver and see how much you enjoy driving the school bus with stone parents or stone members of the community. This law should be repealed immediately. The governor should call a special session and repeal this law. And the question I got is, do you think the governor is smoking a joint along with his wife in front of his kids right now? Well, Alexander, you recognize as you look across the country, uh, more than half of the country, you know, states have legalized the use of recreational marijuana. So uh, just to acknowledge that Minnesota is not doing something that is new. Uh, but a lot of people concerned uh, about the mental health crisis that we're seeing among young people and, you know, adults also concerned about um, that this is going to somehow make everything worse. Uh, so, Representative Stevenson, I'm sure you've heard these concerns. What do you say to, to someone like Alexander in Red Wing who's very upset? Well, number one, I want to say that it is not okay to consume cannabis and drive. Uh, that's against the law. It was against the law before. It's the against the law. It's against the law now, and we take a lot of measures uh, in the bill to try and crack down on that. But fundamentally, there are a lot of problems and challenges that we're facing uh, in Minnesota right now, and none of them were made any better by prohibiting cannabis use. It was a massive drain of resources that we were spending on a law enforcement basis uh, trying to combat uh, cannabis use. I know that from my firsthand experience as a as a prosecutor, uh, and there were downstream effects of that prohibition preventing people from getting jobs when we talk about a labor shortage uh, because of cannabis uh, convictions. So the problems that we're facing in Minnesota were not getting better because of prohibition. We've been trying that approach for decades, and it failed. It's time to try something new. 
Meanwhile, when we look at those other states that you mentioned, the 20 some other states that have legalized cannabis, we can see what has happened there where opioid overdose deaths have actually decreased in states that legalize cannabis. It's actually the most predictable thing that happens when you legalize cannabis, either for medicinal or adult use, is opioid overdose deaths go down. We see that the clearance rate, the rate at which police solve crimes, uh, goes up for property crimes because we're redirecting resources away from uh, cannabis and onto other crimes. So we can look at the experience of states like Colorado and Washington and other places and see that, you know, things do get better. Uh, the sky doesn't fall. And we'll have a similar experience here in Minnesota. And uh, Mayor Hellyer, uh, I'm sure you've heard some comments like uh, Alexander there in Red Wing uh, among folks in Lakeville, yeah. uh, the feeling that this is just going to make everything worse. Well, I'll tell you, last week we were scrambling because we were under this new impression that all of a sudden minor consumption and possession was not going to be penalized under the law. Turns out they made a mistake <laughs> in writing it and that they didn't actually achieve what their intention was, which was to decriminalize for people under 21 to possess marijuana. Turns out marijuana lobbyists said, no, that's, there's some state law that as a backup. Um, and we, so we were actually getting ready to pass an ordinance on minor consumption and possession as well to put a petty misdemeanor on that. But it turns out that the legislators goofed up on that writing the law. So. Uh, Representative Stevenson, what is he describing there? Yeah, no, I, I just have to correct the, there's been some misreporting about this. It was never the intent to legalize use of cannabis for uh, children. And uh, anyone who looks at the law or reads the law can see that very clearly. It says in there in explicit terms that people under the age of 21, uh, it is illegal for them to use or possess cannabis. It is a felony crime to sell or give cannabis uh, to um, anyone under the age of 21. We devoted significant resources to prevention and treatment of people who are using cannabis who are under the age of 21. It is, in fact, a goal of the legislation to keep cannabis away from kids who are under the age of 21. It's unfortunate there were there was some reporting to the contrary, but that was never the intent uh, to, de- to, to make it okay for people under the age of 21 to consume cannabis. People under the age of 21 should not consume cannabis, and it is illegal. And people should law. know that if you choose to, to buy it and give it to someone who is under 21, that you will f- can face punishment for that. You are committing a very serious crime, a felony, and you could be in jail if you do that. All right, well, just to clarify, I don't, I don't, what I was just saying decriminalize for minors, and that was certainly the intent, correct? The intent was that kids shouldn't have access to to marijuana. That was the intent. And it's illegal under the law. And kids who consume cannabis are committing a crime and can face punishment for it. Let's take another phone call from a listener as we talk about Minnesota's new law that legalizes the use and possession and the ability to grow marijuana beginning today, August 1st. Uh, This is a a call. This is Jacob. Jacob, are you in Detroit Lakes? Uh, yes, ma'am. Yes. Hi. Good morning. What did you want to ask or share? Yeah, so I'm curious uh, what the state's going to do to help protect some of the people who were already, like, looking into and cultivating, you know, before the law. Uh, Growing? Effect, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because, obviously, in any state where it became legal, you had those people, right, who were making those sacrifices, right, and kind of creating that push, right? If it wasn't here, we wouldn't have these laws, Right. Going to bend anything for you to kind of see. So, like, how does someone start from like a home cultivator to growing a business under under the current laws? Okay, so uh, I put a pause on questions about growing. So let's uh, talk about that first. Uh, what does the law say about growing marijuana at home, Representative Stevenson? 
The law says that Minnesotans can grow up to eight plants, four of which can be flowering at any time. It's important that you keep the your plants away from where the public can access them. So, in you know, a lot of people be growing indoors. That's great. If you're growing outside, you need to do it in your backyard or in a locked area. You said locked there. I, yeah. I, I had a question about, does it need to be fenced? How do I keep someone from coming in my yard if I'm growing plants and taking it? Yeah, if you're growing outside, it needs to be in a secure locked area. You can't put it in a pot on your front porch or out by the street. You need to keep it in a place away from where the, the public can get to it. I think of it like a pool, right? If you have a pool in your backyard, you need to have a fence. You can't have it so that just kids can wander over and get in your pool. Same thing with uh, these plants. And again, that's to keep it away from kids, which was our intent all along. Okay. And and a second part of Jacob's question there in Detroit Lakes, uh, sounded like he wanted to know if, if someone wants to go from, you know, growing at home to actually, you know, growing to be able to sell it, but they don't have resources, you know, how do you transition from growing at home to, you know, going into, you know, being someone who sells it? Well, one thing I think people don't think about, uh, about this legalization, you know, cannabis is still illegal at the federal level. And what that means is you can't move it across state lines. The practical impact of that is all of the cannabis that gets sold once we have a legal and regulated market in Minnesota will have to be grown here in Minnesota, which is a real economic development opportunity for people who want to start small businesses growing or selling uh, cannabis. And we want to make sure that we're benefiting small and local over big and national and particularly helping the communities that were hurt the most uh, by the prohibition uh, regime that we had until today. Uh, so that is an opportunity, and we did in the bill use some of the tax money that's generated from uh, this bill uh, to foster economic development opportunities to do uh, training grants and provide startup capital for businesses that want to get going in this place, similar to what we do in other industries. You know, when you said uh, federal law, this is something that I, I – two things I want to talk about in previous shows that we've done about uh, the legalization of recreational marijuana um, – what it means um, for it to still be illegal under federal law. A uh, show that I did previously, we had an immigration attorney call in who talked about the fact if you are not a United States citizen, using cannabis could have uh, devastating consequences. It could could jeopardize citizenship and even get them deported. Um, so people who are, are not citizens of the U.S. need to know that. Yeah, it's something to be very uh, mindful of and, and careful about. Another example would be people who have federal licenses. So that could be mm -hmm. a truck driver or someone who flies an airplane. The federal law does not allow for any consumption of cannabis at all, and you could put your federal license at risk. So you, you do need to be careful and uh, exercise some personal responsibility, like we were talking about a minute ago, to understand what your specific situation is. And personally, I, I also worry about people not understanding uh, what it means for their jobs, their employers, and their workplaces. Because we know that employers can prohibit marijuana use um, as a condition of employment. And in some cases, uh, people, you know, many employers still test for drugs. So uh, you shouldn't be walking around, well, it's legal. So like, what's the problem, boss? Well, what do you think about that, <laughs> Mayor Helia, that people need to know, like, what you're dealing with here? Yeah. And let me just, I'll, I'll touch on that. I want to talk about the growing for in our mm -hmm. community. Um, I've, you know, I've had business owners who um, sell products across the country and have people with CDLs that are concerned about, how, you know, how to implement that. And so they're what's still- What's a CDL? Commercial, um, commercial driver's, driver's license. license. Yep. Mm -hmm. Sorry. So um, they happen to make soap for car washes. And so they have mm -hmm. businesses all over the country and, and they're concerned about what this impact has on their employees and that there isn't necessarily a test for in the moment if you're under the influence. And so they're trying to figure out exactly what that means for their business. Uh, on the growing situation in Lakeville, 
Um, basically since June, we've been talking about how that would work for zoning. So when companies or businesses or even investors are calling the city, we say, sit tight, we're working through the zoning because we want to, we don't want you to all of a sudden buy a building and invest if we're only in commercial industrial. And so we have to kind of work through that and what makes, makes the most sense. So to Jacob in Detroit lakes, at least in Lakeville, just sit tight. We're working through that. Lakeville did not pass a moratorium, uh, like some other cities have. We're just scrambling to get through that zoning so i would just say either invest in the county or in the uh, township south of us or wait until we get through our zoning that's kind of where we're at and uh you wanted to address something more about growing yeah that was was, yeah sorry the the zoning um and also too i have a question too can people uh give or sell the marijuana plants that they are growing at home to other people you can give small amounts of cannabis or or, you know the plants to other people what you can't do is uh give it as a um, sort of a add-on to some other commercial purchase. We've seen this in other states uh, where the workaround to not having legalized uh, cannabis is, well, I'll sell you this T-shirt for five bucks and uh, or for fifty bucks, let's say, and uh, you also get a little bit of cannabis for free alongside that. You can't do that, but you can give to another adult a small amount of cannabis. Okay. Um- To our listeners, if you want to know more about how the law applies to growing marijuana and what the experience is like for a grower, you should listen uh, to or read a report that my colleague, NPR News reporter Mark Zedek, did on this yesterday. Uh, It's on our website, nprnews.org. All right, uh, another phone call from a listener as we talk about Minnesota's new cannabis law, August 1st. Today's the day, the first day that you can use and possess recreational marijuana if you are 21 or older. You can also now start growing. What questions do you have? Call us at 651-227. 6,000 or 800-242-2828. Let's go to West St. Paul, where Susan's on the phone. Good morning, Susan. What did you want to ask or share? Good morning. Thank you. Uh, I want to know, I I live in a senior cooperative, and I'm jokingly telling people that, well, August 1st, I'm going to start growing plants uh, just as a, a novelty, not even to use or to sell, probably just try my hand at it just for grins and giggles. And someone says, no, you can't because you can't. And then uh, you can't, uh, you you live in a private property, you can't grow. So I want to know what what are my rights around that? And does your uh, property, do they have bylaws or policies in written that address marijuana or anything like we this? We have bylaws. And it's only for, there's no smoking, tobacco, or vaping on site. And I think it's something that we have to look at. I am on the board of directors, and it's something that we have to look at for future Mm -hmm. use. But also, I'm wondering how, you know, I I heard earlier in the show about the Clean Indoor Act, how that affects us as a cooperative, because we are a private property, and what, you know, okay. what about for medical uses? Oh, wow. Susan in West St. Paul. I feel like I need to go back. I need to go to law school <laughs> <laughs> so I can keep up with this. All right. So what are the laws addressing growing marijuana? Um, she wants to know she's in a senior uh, housing setting, a private property. Yeah, let's walk through this okay. all the way. So uh, from the start end, there's the Clean Indoor Air Act. This mm-hmm. is the smoking ban that mm-hmm. passed, you know, 15 years ago. That's still in effect, is unchanged by the law. Not just tobacco products. Not just tobacco. You can't Everything. smoke. And, and anywhere where the Clean Indoor Air Act applies, where the smoking ban applies, you can't smoke or vape cannabis as well, starting today. So that's, you know, bars, restaurants, but also the common areas of uh, buildings like the one that the caller's um, talking about. That that 
continues to apply. In addition, under the in, in this bill, we did ban smoking and vaping of cannabis in multifamily buildings uh, across the entire state, and that's for concern of the secondhand smoke. There is an exception to that rule for medical patients. The caller asked about medical patients. So if you have a prescription, you can use your medicine it at home, even if you live in a multifamily unit. Now, as to growing... You can grow again. The, the rules around growing are that it has to be in a private and controlled in, environment, secure. So if you're on the ground floor of a apartment building and you've got a patio that opens out to a place where people can walk up, you can't grow there uh, under state law. But the state law doesn't say that it's banned to grow inside uh, apartment buildings or condos. That would be up to the management of the building to decide, or the in this case, since it's a co-op, the residents, to decide if they want to allow that. Uh, or not. Um, Mayor Hellyer, I'm just thinking about the calls that are going to be coming into city halls around <laughs> the state. Uh, what if you don't have the answer? Like, how do you plan to address questions like this from, from residents as they reach out to your office for help? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I mean, I think part of it is we're kind of building the airplane in the air at the moment, which we don't love. <laughs> um, you know, and at the same time, I didn't get into local government to regulate cannabis. So we're kind of learning as we go. Um, we're trying to be able to answer as many questions as possible. Um, I think we've had a good enough conversations as a council and with staff to kind of answer most of the questions today. Uh, and then we'll just continue to work through that over the next several months All when right. we look at zoning and those type of things. Let's go to Thief River Falls. Uh, back to the phone lines and talk to Matt. Matt, thank you for calling in. What did you want to ask or share? Morning. I, uh, Morning. I have two questions. Um, my first question is what will become of marijuana paraphernalia you know like if uh well as of yesterday if you were to get arrested that's a second charge if you had a pipe you'd get possession of marijuana and possession of drug paraphernalia not marijuana paraphernalia but it's all classified into one like the same thing if you were to have crack pipe or a needle it's you know a, a pot pipe is considered in that same that same category so what would become of that and i guess uh, my second question is I drive through Red Lake Nation quite a bit, and I'm a CDL holder. And would I be legally allowed to transport the small amount of marijuana I would buy in Red Lake Actually, in my truck back to Super Falls? Okay, so you're a commercial. Uh, you have a commercial driver's license, Matt. Okay. All right. Uh, So let me back up a bit. Uh, We know that starting today, the Red Lake Nation will start selling small amounts of recreational marijuana uh, to people who visit the dispensary uh, there on the reservation in northern Minnesota. Uh, The tribe will sell to anyone with a valid uh, ID over who's 21 or older, uh, not just to tribal members. Um, And my first question, Representative Stevenson, some people will be wondering, why is this possible now? Why are, are they the first? So Red Lake Nation is a sovereign nation, and they have control over what they do on their land. So while the state of Minnesota is still coming up with the rules and regulations for sale on Minnesota lands, the tribe uh, decided to move forward with sales on tribal lands, on their own sovereign lands. And uh, there is a new state office of cannabis management that will be regulating the industry and overseeing licenses. And so how will that process work? Yep. So that office was created and the, we need a new director. The, actually, I think the application period for director closed yesterday. So hopefully the governor will name a new director. Uh, and then once we have a director, they will put together, uh, go through rulemaking process to come up with a bunch of rules and regulations about 
how we're going to ensure that the cannabis that's sold in licensed dispensaries uh, is safe and, and healthy and that Minnesotans can be certain that it's exactly what they're uh, planning uh, to buy. And also to make sure that the businesses are following all the rules we have to, for example, keep it out of the hands uh, of of kids. Uh, so that process will take some time for those rules to be made. So Matt, who called in from Thief River Falls, he's a truck driver, uh, wants to know, you know, if he purchases uh, uh, cannabis products there at, uh, at Red Lake Nation and, and driving it back, um, can he drive it back to the Twin Cities? What if he has paraphernalia in his, his truck? What 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 does the law do for that? So let's for for the average Minnesotan, you can buy cannabis on Red Lake Nation and return uh, to the Twin Cities or Minnesota. One important thing to note: whenever you're driving transporting cannabis, it's like alcohol. We have an open container law for alcohol. We have a similar law for cannabis, which means that you need to put it in the trunk or away from the driver. Uh, It's not okay to consume cannabis ever in a car, even if you're the passenger, just like you can't uh, drink beer while someone else is driving the car. You can't consume cannabis while someone else is driving uh, the car. So it should be in the back seat? It should be ideally in the trunk. In the trunk. Yeah, or far away from uh, the driver in a secure, you know, in a closed container uh, or a sealed container. Uh, just like you would do with with uh, alcohol, it's a similar thing. Now with Matt, uh, the caller, he threw me a little curveball there because he said he has a CDL, and we talked about this a bit earlier. Cannabis is still illegal federally, and a commercial driver's license is a federal license, and so Matt needs to be careful about what consuming and possessing cannabis will do for his federal license. And his question about the drug paraphernalia is not illegal to have uh, marijuana paraphernalia in Minnesota as of today. Okay. Um, as we talk about driving and safety, um, a lot of people concerned about that. Mayor Hellier, uh, how do you know? You know, people worried already that folks are drunk and driving, and now they're concerned they're going to be high and driving. We have talked about how the law enforcement community has concerns about this. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I, I think it's difficult. I mean, I, because there's not a test like a breathalyzer, right, to be able to determine if someone is under. Um, the influence, we have to really rely on the training of our police and law enforcement partners. And so uh, our police department will continue to go through that. They do some um, cannabis, you know, learning now, but we're going to have to increase that. And so probably every dollar we get post-2025 related to uh, the tax <laughs> um, revenue will probably go to training our police officers for that type of safety. So I think it's um, I think it's going to be a challenge. I really do. I don't think that there's a one answer on how you determine if somebody is under the influence while they're driving. And so I think the courts will probably also test and a lot our, of that. Our listeners should know, too, that uh, my my other my most excellent colleague, uh, NPR reporter Brian Bass, did a story last week on how law enforcement officers are going to be rolling out more education and, and working to you know enforce existing laws about driving while impaired. Uh, but uh, that that's difficult because for a law enforcement officer, they – they don't have the tools to prove impairment. Just, you know, what are your thoughts about what's in the law, Representative Stevenson, that's going, going to address uh, driving uh, and, and someone being impaired or, or using? Well, the first thing to think about with regard to the test is that alcohol is actually the outlier here. It's the only substance that impairs you uh, that we have a roadside test that can determine if you're under the influence. There's a lot of substances that you can consume legally and you should not drive that is it or is illegal for you to drive while you're under the influence, uh, even before cannabis, you know, 
prescription uh, medications, uh, certain cold medications, sleep aids, all mm-hmm. sorts of things that you should not take while driving and for which there is no roadside test. And over the years that we've had all of these things going on, law enforcement, police, prosecutors like me have been able to arrest and charge and convict people for driving under the influence. And the same thing will be true with cannabis. We devote a significant amount of money uh, from the tax on cannabis towards training law enforcement officers to become what are called drug recognition experts. So people who are on the side of the road and can, t- and can look to clues from uh, people's reactions, their, you know, maybe what eyes. their eyes are bloodshot, uh, and uh, make an assessment over whether someone's impaired. Uh, so this is a problem that we know how to solve in the law enforcement community, and we will solve it because it is illegal to drive under the influence of cannabis. And if you do it, uh, you will be arrested uh, and you will be charged with a crime. Back to the phone lines. Uh, a listener in Princeton is on the phone. This is Monica. Hi, Monica. Thank you for calling in. What's your question or what do you want to share? Hello, Angela. Good morning. Um I'm not really sure how to word this properly, but I'm I'm just wondering about, because I know you guys talked about earlier, um, you can smoke and use marijuana on in your house, your private property. Yes. And I was just wondering what that looked like if you have children. Like, are you able to smoke in a room that a children are not in? Or is like, what, what does that look like? Because I feel like that's a very broad kind of... <laughs> Thing. I don't so know if that makes sense. Private but. property, someone's home, not a home daycare situation, but in your own residence is what you're asking about. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Uh, Represent Stevenson? Does- yep. So it is illegal to smoke or vape cannabis anywhere where children are going to inhale the smoke. So even if it's your own house, if you've got kids around, you can't smoke. We need to keep the. Who's going to enforce that? Well, it's more of a question of if you have, um, you can imagine situations where child protection is involved, where neighbors mm-hmm. are involved, extreme situations uh, where that's involved, um, where, where people are really doing uh, bad stuff. Uh, but it's important to keep cannabis away from kids. So inside the home, in the garage, in the back porch, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's your private property. If that's where you want to consume cannabis, that's your right to do so as long as you're keeping it away from kids. Uh, another phone call. Let's uh, go to Stillwater and talk to Tim, who's on the line. Good morning, Tim. What do you want to ask or share? Hi, good morning, Angela. Thank you. See, I just want to say up front that I really support the uh, legalization of cannabis. I think it's long overdue. But one thing I don't support is uh, um, being invaded in my life by clouds of marijuana smoke wherever I go. Uh, I urge the legislators and the local officials to protect uh, non-smokers um, I, I just don't think I should have to um, smell marijuana when I go to the ball game or walk through a hotel or wait for a train. It's just really offensive, and uh, it's 10 times stinkier than cigarettes. Um, I don't know. What are we going to do about the smell? Well, that was the approach we took. Um, you know, we kind of, as a city, that we had the same perspective to say, hey, you know, we don't want that in public spaces, but if you are going to consume an edible, we're not going to put any regulatory a burden around that. Um, and at the same time, you know, obviously there's nothing we can do about people's private residences, um, but we will uh, encourage those to be mindful of their neighbors. What do you an- anticipate moving forward uh, as people 
um, have a problem with the smell, Representative? You know, we're seeing cities around the state adopt ordinances like the one that Lakeville is adopting, and that is what I expected uh, would happen, and it makes sense to me. Uh, you know, I live in Coon Rapids, and I expect the city of Coon Rapids will ban it from uh, our our parks and uh, city streets. And if I were a council member, that's probably the way I would vote as well. You know, it, I think what the caller said is is uh, is accurate, that people should have the right to make their own decisions. But that doesn't mean that you have the right to influence somebody else's life. Uh, Representative Stevenson, one of the goals of the legislation was to decriminalize marijuana use going forward. And, and you've referenced this. Um, uh, let's talk about expungement, um, addressing uh, previous convictions uh, related to marijuana. Explain what will happen under this law uh, if someone has a, a marijuana-related misdemeanor uh, or if they have a felony conviction in their past. What is happening with expungement? Well, the whole process starts today. And there's two kind of things, uh, two different processes for the more serious crimes, the felonies, there's going to be a cannabis expungement board that's going to look at each felony conviction individually and make a decision about whether it should be expunged or resentenced or otherwise modified out of fairness. And that's important because serious crimes involving felonies can often be complex. I mean, it could have involved a gun, for example, or it could have been connected to some violent crime. In those cases, expungement might not be the appropriate uh, remedy. It might be more appropriate to do something else. For very low-level cannabis offenses, so misdemeanors and petty misdemeanors, we are automatically expunging those uh, through a, a computer process that the uh, BCA, the Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, is going to uh, undertake. It will take some time for both of these processes to be complete. For the automatic expungement, they're saying within a year. For the board, it probably will take many years because they're going to be looking at each record individually. Important to say, though, for people who have a cannabis conviction, whether it's a serious one or a misdemeanor or petty misdemeanor, you don't need to do anything. This all happens automatically. The board's going to look at every single cannabis felony individually, even if the person doesn't reach out, and the uh, BCA pro process is also automatic. As we look ahead um, for uh, when dispensaries, retail shops will open statewide, and when is that again? Not maybe till a year from now? It could take a, uh, 18 months. Uh, there's a big process that has to be undertaken between doing those uh, rules and regulations that we talked about earlier to make sure that the cannabis that's sold is uh, safe and, and not uh, you know uh, laced with other substances, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and also then there's a licensing process where people have to apply for a license and the state has to make sure that people meet the criteria uh, and then issue a license. So I would expect it's probably an 18-month uh, time period between now and when those licenses are issued. So, Mayor Hellyer, what are your thoughts? You must be thinking ahead. Like mm -hmm. um, once the state licenses a dispensary, um, will you have any control? Will there be any city control as, as to where they are located and how they can operate? Yeah. So there's, there is um, a little bit of local control there. There's some ability to put things around the school, distance to school, distance to daycare. So we'll look at kind of what that does. We'll probably look at zoning uh, mm. and, and where this business makes sense. I think the little bit of frustration from cities is, you know, we will have to have, a, I think, six licensed facilities or opportunity for that because we have 74,000 people. And you think about our neighbors in Prior Lake who are just up the road would have to have a few too. And so I, I don't know if we really need to have that many dispensaries. And I think the challenge is if you look at the metro, right, There's Dakota County has to have 36, but so does Scott County has to have a large number. And so, so there, there I think there's just minimum too much or numbers or is there a restriction to opportunity for that many opportunities for that many licenses. And so once the maximum for the county is, is met, 
So let's say Egan decides to go hog wild and has 15 dispensaries. based on population? Correct. Okay. Well, for every 12,500 people. Okay. So I, let's just say if, let's say some cities in Dakota County go wild and they license much quicker than Lakeville, then we could cap it and say, well, we're only going to have four because the county maximum is met. Okay. Yeah. Why, why don't I explain a little bit the, the thinking here where we started in this process where you had cities around the state were uh, asking for an opt-out. And that's something that's happened in other states that have legalized cannabis where cities and counties have the ability to say, yes, cannabis is legal in Colorado, but in Colorado Springs, for example, we're not going to allow the sale of, of cannabis here. And one of the things that we learned as we looked at those um, those states is that really created an opportunity for the illicit marketplace uh, to grow and thrive. So we uh, at the legislature said we're not going to allow cities or counties to opt out of cannabis legalization. Uh, but cities and counties wanted some ability to limit the to amount. Right. So the compromise position was that cities can't just say no, uh, but they can adopt a limit. And that limit is the population divided by 12,500. So if you have 12,500 people, you have to allow in at least one. You could allow in more if you wanted to, uh, but you have to allow in uh, at least one. And as the mayor was saying, there are some more complexities to that interplay between cities and counties, but that's kind of the basic way to think about it. So, Mayor Hellyer, this is law now. We're not going to necessarily go back. So what advice do you have for the residents, not just of Lakeville, but just people in general who want to feel as though they, you know, can exercise some control over their personal space or what advice are you having for yeah, folks who are just very unraveled? You know, we are approaching um, kind of the ban and ordinance like we do with a fire inspection. And I, the reason I say it is we want to educate people to say, you know, we have this petty misdemeanor, but that's not our goal is to go out and start writing people tickets who are smoking pot on the sidewalk. We want to start with a, uh, in a situation with our police department or code enforcement to say, hey, just so you know, in Lakeville, you can't smoke on the sidewalk, you can't smoke in a park, um, because we think that the education will take care of many of the instances of people smoking or vaping in public, and that really the backstop is the petty misdemeanor. So my encouragement is just if you, know, if you feel like you are, your space is invaded and you're at a, at a public park, reach out to the city and we'll kind of work through our process as that kind of goes, but not until next two, uh, Monday. So I guess you could basically <laughs> smoke pot anywhere you wanted in Lakeville until next Monday. But um, that's kind of our, our approach will be as, as from an education standpoint and less from uh, just citing people to cite. Stay them. informed and let's have some civil conversations, please. I want to thank our guests. Our time is up. And thank you to all our listeners. We're going to continue these conversations. Don't worry. We have a lot to talk about. But today, I want to thank our guest, State Representative Zach Stevenson, a DFLer from Coon Rapids and chief author of the bill, Legalizing Cannabis in the Minnesota House. He's also a Hennepin County prosecutor. Our other guest today, the mayor of Lakeville, Luke Hellyer, uh, one of the, you know, Lakeville, one of the first cities in Minnesota looking to ban smoking or vaping of marijuana on public sidewalks and city parks. And want to let you know, we, again, will continue to talk about this new cannabis law, what it means for Minnesotans uh, in the months ahead. And also be sure to listen to All Things Considered this afternoon from three to six with Tom Cran. Uh, they'll be talking about the Red Lake Nation uh, today starting to sell small amounts of recreational marijuana uh, because they can. Today's conversation was produced by Maya Beckstrom. Be safe, everybody. We'll talk again tomorrow morning at nine.
Thanks for listening to a recording of my live radio show on NPR News. A reminder that if you want to catch my show in real time, tune in and call in weekdays at 9 a.m.